Would you spend more money today to take more risk tomorrow mm -hmm. to not even know that you're going to make more money the next day? It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you, if you buy on future performance, you're going to take a seminar and it's not going to be pleasant. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcasts that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong. And I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. Welcome back to uh, this episode where we're going to get into the traps that sellers and agents lay when you are communicating to possibly buy their property, show interest in the property, and are hunting or fishing for your next opportunity to grow your wealth and your cash flow and take care of yourself and your family for years to come. And uh, today we're going to talk about traps. Is this like Mission Impossible type of traps, like uh, tripwires? Well, they are tripwires. Yeah, yeah, there are trip some dangerous things where uh, if you're not careful, you will take a bath. Um, which, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I, I know the biggest tripwire or, or, or uh, uh, things that agents, and mostly agents actually, it's, it's the agents that do it. Uh, when we're looking at, um, you know, single family homes or properties under the four. We discussed what, you know, what, what's considered residential, what's considered commercial uh, properties that are under four doors. They use the terminology like cap rates and NOI, uh, which is, you know, net operating income and uh, return on investment, which is return on investment is again, for residential, you're not looking per se at those particular things. You do equate that. You do consider that, but ultimately on a residential, you don't look at the caps. You don't look at the NOI. When you buy, you'll look at them from a, from a business perspective, operating perspective. But when you buy, you should be looking at comps for that particular for that particular asset class below, you know, four units. On a commercial, yeah, they, you know, uh, the, the tripwire on that one, and we can focus on each one. I'll go ahead. Yeah, just let, let's just clarify that because um, just just to sort of make that as, as, as simple to, to get as possible. Sometimes when you're buying a property, the agent will sell you on the return or on the income uh, and not on the actual value. Uh, when you're buying a single family property, you have to compare apples and apples, not apples and oranges. So I think, Frank, what, um, if I understand you correctly, is agents sometimes will say, well, this property makes, you know, it's a 16% return. Uh, if you buy this, it, you know, if you buy this for $100,000, you are going to make $16,000 a year. Uh, so this is a huge, you know, huge, huge number. They attract um, your attention on, on, on the, the ROI. That's right. And they sell it based on the ROI. So if you buy it for $100,000, you'll make sixteen, you know, uh, $16,000 a year. But the property may be only worth $50,000. In which case you lose fifty if you sell. The, the day you buy it, you're yeah. losing fifty grand. Yeah. So you're paying double than retail. Yeah. And in so they're they're basically using commercial uh, language to sell you a residential property. And I've actually seen that quite a bit. I was in uh, Singapore, uh, just talking to a foreign national, 
uh, that had bought property in the United States was very happy because it was making a 10% return. And in Asia, 10% return, actually most places, not just Asia, uh, you know, is, is great. You know, making 10% phenomenal, making $8,000 a year on an $80,000 purchase. And I've been doing that for six years and very happy. And says, you know, I think I want to get out of this property. I'm like, oh, how'd you find it? It's very rare to find someone in Singapore buying properties in the U.S. I said, well, a company came by and we're selling properties. And, you know, this one just made sense. We liked it. So we bought it. Sight unseen, never seen it. They manage it, they do everything, make eight grand. Cool. He's like, now I want to sell it. So I said, okay, let's see what it's worth. It's worth $50,000. He bought it for 80. And then he didn't like that answer. I was like, well, <laughs> what do you mean it's worth 50? I said, well, they actually bought it for 10 <laughs> and they sold it to you for 80. Uh, and, and that's what it is. You know, they, they bought it wholesale, below, well below wholesale. They probably fixed it up and then gave it to you for 80, but it's only, the comps are 50. You know, if you were to sell this, it's 50. So they're going to take a $30,000 bath if they sell it. Uh, so they didn't, so they almost four years of that income that they made, by the way, at $8,000 a year, it'll so. take them a long time before yeah. they even break even. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at, um, buying the property at the best possible price and making cash flow, they did the old, uh, how much do you want to pay per month for your car trick? Mm -hmm. uh, which is what a lot of people do, right? They go in and I want to keep my car payment at 500 bucks a month or 600 bucks a month. They go, no problem. We'll get you in a car at 600 bucks a month. And they do, but you're upside down on the car, and you're never going. You're never going to get out of that unless you write a check at one point. You know, if you pay six hundred bucks a month and it's not really paying off the car at all, and you're overpaying for the car, or they've added twenty thousand dollars to the price of the car, you're stuck with that. You know, that's you've, you've signed off on that. So be very careful on that big booby trap. It, it is, and, and and that well, the, the car manufacturers, that's what they rely on. Mm -hmm. that, that's all the commercials you see, pay, you know, 50 bucks a month or whatever, $300 a month, but they don't tell you the terms. They don't tell you if it's if 60 months, 72 or, or 80 or 90. they don't even tell you the price of the car. Well, <laughs> well, you don't know the price of the car until you start calculating, <laughs> plus the interest. So yeah, you yeah. could be taking a bath mm -hmm. in it, but the biggest trap in the, in, in the single family is when they start, so they're a little bit more sophisticated, the brokers that is. And they compile um, maybe six or ten single families or duplexes into a package to make it look like here's 30 units. Yes. But it's not 30 units under one roof, under it's one parcel. Yeah. So that's the biggest sophisticated trap what they do. And they're like, okay, well, it's 30 units. It's above the four. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, I'm going to base it on revenue, which is, again, a big ain't. Eh, because they're all you have to price them individually based on their comps. So they're they're, they're selling a thirty unit, but it's thirty individual units as opposed to a thirty unit apartment complex. Yeah. So you have thirty tenants, thirty mortgages, thirty, 30, 30, 30, 30 everything. <laughs> uh, it's and so it's not the same calculation at all. No. So they're packaging in a commercial environment. They're basically selling a whole bunch of pizza slices and calling it uh, a, pizzas, full pizza. a full pizza, but they're completely different slices. And they're at, and in most cases, when they're selling these packages, it's they're selling the 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 it, they're selling it for more than retail. So, because it's a package, which makes no sense at all. If I'm buying a whole bunch of pizzas, I want to get a discount on the slice, but they're actually selling the slices for more than the actual pizza. It's like going to Costco and buying over retail. <laughs> it's like going to Costco and paying like you know super high in prices. It doesn't, you know, Dolce Cabana uh, prices for something that's not worth that at all. Right. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You, you go to the bulk store, you don't expect to pay more for something, right? But You're, it happens all the time. But it happens all the time. And that's one thing that yeah. 
That's a trap. That, that's one big yeah. trap that I that I see constantly over and over, and people fall into the yeah, same all trap. the time. Yeah, it, all the time. They don't realize that three three. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's a, at the residential level. At the commercial level, there's another trap, and these this is like my I think my least favorite word in the real estate world is pro forma. Yeah, it 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 makes me cringe when I see it, and uh, but I I guess it must work from the the, the, the context of or from the, the point of view of the seller and or the broker. Uh, the you know for those of you who don't know what pro forma is is what what could the property potentially uh, spit out in cash. So it's basically potential in revenue in the, in the future. future. So you could make this in the future. Correct. So they're selling um, Apple stock at future prices, not today's prices. Yeah, right. It's it's a forecast. Like the meteorologist, they, they gave you the seven-day forecast. Are they right seven days You know, out in advance? Typically not. They got an idea, but they can't even get the day the right. Pro for, well, that's the whole thing. They can't get the day right. So they're so these people that are using Proforma, they're forecasting uh, three pro years, forma. five years. They'll say year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. They can't predict what the economic situation will be. Uh, the, the occupancy, if there's if there's employers coming in, going out in that area. No, but here's the other question: is like why, if it can do this, why haven't you done it? Why haven't they done like, it? Like that's that's really like what's frustrating in all of this. Yeah. yeah. And they expect you to pay a premium, a premium for do, yes. yeah, for doing. So it. you're gonna pay more because you have to take risk to spend more to make possible Maybe. money in the future. Right. Would you spend more money today? to take more risk tomorrow mm -hmm. to not even know that you're going to make more money the next day. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you, If you buy on future performance, you're going to take a seminar and it's not going to be pleasant. It, it's speculating. speculating. Yeah. It, it was a, oh, wow. Perfect. But that's basically what it is. You're speculating and people get, it, it's, it's the shiny object. People look at it and like, oh my goodness, look what I, we can make in three years or four mm -hmm. years or five years. Mm -hmm. But, a lot of variables have to be in line for that to happen. Yeah. And why are you rolling? And if it happens, great. But you're the one that's rolling up your sleeve doing all that work. So why is, if he's selling the property, why am I rewarding Gabe? If if, if I'm the one doing the, the risk, rolling mm -hmm. up my sleeves and doing the two, three years, what I have to do to get to that You know why? Because I wrote pro forma. Because my, you wrote pro oh, forma. Yeah. And again, that, that's, <laughs> that's a trap that yeah. many, unfortunately, get their victims of. So, but everyone's doing it, so they think it's okay. But a savvy investor will never look at pro forma. You have to look at now numbers. And if you're buying on now numbers, you're going to know what it makes now or what it has done in the past, at least. Yeah. And that's really what you need to look at. What's the value today? And I need to have a discount on that value today. Not mm -hmm. what it could make, not what it should make, but what it's actually making now. If they haven't managed it well and they've uh, you know, driven those numbers down to the ground, and it could make you know $100,000 a year. It's not worth a million dollars now because it's not making $100,000 a year now. It's yeah. making $30,000 a year now. So it's worth around 300, maybe 400, depending on which you know, market you're in. But it's, you know, it's, it's worth what it is today, not what it is in the future. So there's pro forma where they show you years in advance, yeah. what it could do. And then there's a pro forma where they can show you what immediate actions you can take. And I hate this is what they do is they say, well, the rent today is $500, but the market rent today is 800. So they go, oh, you could just change the rent to 800. So you're gonna go from 500 oh to 800 gosh, because they haven't been consistent right? over the last five years. Well, what happens if you go to your tenant and say, 
hey, Marco, by the way, I know you've been paying $500 for the last three, four years, whatever. Uh, we're taking over the property right now. You know, we want to welcome you, but your rent's going to be $800. What's going to happen to you? Deuces. I'm yes. out. I'm going to find somewhere else to live. I'm going to be A, pissed. Yeah. I'm probably going to trash the place, and then I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, so problem with that is de complete destabilization of the asset. Yeah. And... Yeah. Well, your cash flow is going to be disastrous. Well, you can't do that. What cash flow? You're gonna, and yeah, plus, you have to now rehab all these properties, uh, you know, all these units that they just trashed because they were so pissed that you tried to raise the rent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it becomes a, a big, big, big problem. Yeah, and it's, it's a common misconception that raising rent is just raising rent. Raising rent comes with some sort of action, and usually it's a capital investment. If the reason you're not renting it for more than, or what market rent is, is because market rent is based on what someone's willing to pay for something of a different quality than what you're offering. I mean, otherwise you'd be renting for the same price. Well, there are some instances where, you know, it's an older couple that own it and they haven't raised the rent since 1944 because they've owned it that long and they love their tenants and, you know, they keep it cheap. And, and But the, it, the, the premise is the same, is if you haven't changed anything in that unit, then you it's, can't just go in there and knock right. on the door and say, hey, it's going to be $200 more because your you old landlord do something wasn't doing it. Yeah, you want to give value for that increase. Yes. But the problem, and, and the question I ask them is like, well, okay, if it's that easy, well, you can just change as soon as you come. If it's that easy, well, why, why didn't you do it? it? Yeah, and I have until this day got a proper answer because yeah. there is no answer. Yeah. The, reason they're, the, the reason they don't do it is because they're going to run off the, the, the tenant's going to leave. That's what's going to happen because yeah. they didn't provide that value that Gabe, you're talking about. Yeah. If you're going to increase me to 200 bucks, well, I can go down the street and it's better carpeting. You know, uh, I don't like the green carpet or the blue or carpet. It's, it's, it's with just the hardwood dots. floor yeah. instead. Yeah. yeah, or it's you know pergo or whatever you know whatever flooring there is. But yeah, you're, that's also a. Yeah. So beware of pro forma. You see pro forma, start asking questions. A lot of them. Yes. Uh, or you can easily raise the rents. Well, if it was easy, why didn't you do it? Mm -hmm. Another yeah. one is, uh, I think we beat that one up. I think we're Yeah, good. we beat that one up. So, so one more, one more. Yeah. I was going to say that the pro forma also comes not necessarily in terms of revenue. It'll be a pro forma cap rate of this. And What's a cap rate? A cap rate, that's, and we should maybe explain what that is. Cap rate is a, is a calculation that comes from two numbers. The first one is net operating income, NOI. Uh, net What's operating income is calculated simply by taking... Basically, the gross revenue of the property. What's the gross revenue? We're going to go all like this all day. Well, no, oh, yeah, it's well, gross I, revenue. All if right. We're going to start somewhere. We might as well start, start somewhere, somewhere, right? Okay. Let's, so, gross revenue. What's gross revenue? Uh, gross revenue is the monthly rent with the lease multiplied by 12 months uh, for each unit that the property has. So, if it's just a single family home and it's making $500 a month on the lease, that's $6,000 a year. Of collected of revenue. Gross. Actual collected revenue. Yes. So if they only collected 11 months, the gross for that year was 11 times. Oh, you won't know the collected from the, you know, when you're looking at a property, right? That's something that you'll do in due diligence. But at least the lease says $500 times 12 months. That's $6,000 a year. That's your gross annual income. And so you start with that and then you'll remove expenses. You want to go down some of the expenses that you can have. Well, so the, there's taxes. The TIMS. Yeah, the TIMS. T-I-M-M-S. Correct. Taxes, taxes, not the coffee shop in Canada. For, yeah. for the <laughs> not TIMS. Not TIMS. TIMS. So taxes, insurance, management, maintenance. And all the, the other, other shit that has to be paid. Yeah. yeah, the sh S stands for shit, the shit that has to be paid, like small light bill or... Yeah. Pest control. Uh, There's pest a whole control, bunch of things, yeah. even parts of yeah. evictions and things like that. Basically, all the expenses it takes to, you know, generate the revenue... They have to be deducted, and whatever is left over is your net operating income. Now, that does not include any mortgages or any costs to get into the property, your down payment, any of that. That's just 
purely the revenue minus the expenses of the property on an annual basis. So the, the operating, anything yeah. to do to, to generate that gross income that you described, mm -hmm. any any expenses to generate that, that's what goes in there. Yeah. And in that trap, you know, might as well talk about the trap that's in the Tim's. Yes. What's the most common thing mm -hmm. that, that, that two of them. people fail to, exactly, yeah. it's two of them. I call it, it's like a candy yeah. or a chocolate. Yeah, the M&M's. The M&M's. Yeah. The M&M's is the, the, the management and the maintenance is the most frequently either mistakenly, mistakenly or intentionally um, it's excluded. accidentally it's not there in your calculation. It's, it's yeah. a property that runs itself. And it's uh, either understated or just purely absent, yes. right, when they're doing your calculations. Meaning that they don't have a management fee um, because the owner isn't doing the management themselves and there's no maintenance uh that's really calculated. There should be at least 10% management, uh, sorry, maintenance that's and removed and management taken out to improve the property and continuously uh, fix things that are broken because you're going to use around 10% per year. Uh, if the property's older, it's going to cost more. If the property's newer, it's going to cost less. But at one point, the roof has to be replaced. The AC has to get done. The, uh, the boiler has to be you know, replaced. Uh, there's something that's going to break, and you want to have that money available when it gets to that point. So if you're looking at the, uh, the stated net, uh, if the gross, for example, is um, $100,000, and they're saying the net is ninety. That's complete bullshit. 10,000 of expenses. Uh, there's zero yeah. chance of that. You should, about half, let's just call it about half. Sure. Um, now, there are different nuances based on who pays utilities, but it's around half. Yeah. You, you keep half. So if you have a $100,000 gross, if the seller is saying, you know, you're going to keep 70,000, no, no. It's, there, 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 there are some expenses that are missing mm -hmm. out of that. Uh, and again, that changes based on the asset class. So this is a general rule, not yeah. the, you know, this is not the, necessarily the gospel it's just There's a some point of reference yes. for you and so once you have your net if you divide that net operating income by the actual purchase price you're going to pay or by the asking price at the point that's what a cap rate is so cap rate equals your net operating income divided by your purchase price yeah it's and your, that gives you the return basically yeah. it's your it's, it's your, your capitalization return. Return. Basically, it's, your it's your return yeah yeah it'll tell you from your net income how many years it's going to take you to pay back your purchase price pretty much so well, that no. well, no, not many, not many years. years. Not it's not advertising. No, it's, it's just years. a return on investment. That's all it is. I understand. Yeah. But if you, if well, yeah, you can calculate your payback period with that. Yeah, you yeah. could, but you have to go into again the Google go into amortization. No, you just take a hundred and divide by that number. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give an example then, maybe because it's it's going to be easier to calculate. Give an so let's say your uh, net operating income is a hundred hundred thousand dollars. You bought it for a million dollars. That's a 100 cap. divided by, yeah, it's a 10 cap. You take 100, you divide it by 10, that gives you 10. That means it takes you 10 years to pay back your property with the net operating income of the property. So Provided there's no interest, though. You get, a you get, you get an interest, for, but you, you're not, that's what I'm saying. You're not calculating the interest on that. No, because it's the payback period of it, the own property. How you finance it is a totally different. I understand that, but it, it, was, it was. You're looking for a cash on cash return. That's different. Well, I, I don't know people who give me money for free, but if you have some, I'll, I'll take we, it. If you want, there's a seminar on that. But, the, but, but I'm saying it, you could calculate the number of years to get your principal back. Yeah. So that's that the key too. to get your principal back. But if you're paying interest on that money, which typically you are, uh, if you're using other people's money. Uh, then you would have to calculate the interest on top of that 10 years. So it'll take you a little bit longer. Well, 
technically, if you're financing it, you're going to make the spread between what it costs for the interest to what it is that you're actually buying it, right. the, 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 the net return, so, uh, or the, the, the cap rate. So if I have a property that's uh, a 12 cap and I'm borrowing the money at 8%, I make a 4% spread. And 4% on per million is $40,000. Yeah. So I'll, I'll make a $40,000 cash flow on a million-dollar property if I'm paying 8% on the, on, the, on the mortgage, on the borrowed money, if I'm buying a 12% return. But we don't Anyways, need to get into high advanced, uh, you know, math and trigonometry. More right traps. Now. So out of that so, trap. So, so no, hang on a second. So just to recap. So gross is the total amount of money that uh, is collected uh, minus the expenses gives us our net. The, and the expenses are taxes, insurance, maintenance, management, and all the other shit that has to be paid that needs to be included Tins. in there. We call it the TIMS uh, calculator, around 50%. Again, it changes based on the asset class, but it's usually around 50. Um, we keep around half, and that number is going to be the net. And if you take, uh, let's say, a net of 100,000 and you bought it for a million, that means you have a 10, per, it's 10%, and that's a 10% return. We so call that the cap rate. That's the cap rate, correct. So uh, if you're... Yeah. So, and that's on the actual income that's now, not on future income, which would be pro forma. Not on. Uh, it's on the rents that are being collected now. Not if you raise the rents, uh, this is what it's going to be. Because mm -hmm. if you raise the rents, you're going to get uh, some severe de uh, destabilization of the property, and it's it's it could be a, you know, and a problem. It's, it's okay to have a pro forma figure for yourself. The important part is that when you're buying it, you're mm -hmm. buying it on the actual numbers. It's always a good thing to know what it could become in your hands if you actually do the work and put in the time and efforts, but you can't pay for that uh, revenue, that future revenue right now. you got to pay based on the actual income, and that's really the trap. And a lot of developers do that where they buy properties in, in, in farm rural areas knowing that urban is, is catching up after 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. so they're not paying for that parcel of land that's, that's growing corn today, what it would cost in 20 years when, when they're building buildings there. No, yeah. it's, and you're not going to do the same when you're buying property. That strategy, by the way, is called land banking, is when you buy land and you know that it's eventually, uh, you know, you're, the population is going to expand or you're going to have urban development that goes to a point and then you can sell the land for a lot more. That's yeah. basically just parking money in land and paying the taxes. Yeah. That's yeah. land banking. So, Another trap yeah. Oh, yeah. is uh, is 100% occupancy. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's uh, that's fun. Uh, most people think, wow, 100% occupancy, that's great. Was well, that not good? Oh, it's fabulous, <laughs> except that's the most that it's ever going to make. So the second that I raise rents or I make any changes, what's going to happen? It's going to go down. So I'm basically buying the property at the very top of the market. So when you hear 100% occupancy, that's that actually means top of the market. That's the Bad equivalent use. language. Uh, there's never go you're never going to maintain 100% occupancy in any property ever. Uh, you're most likely going to get to 90, 92%. If mm -hmm. uh, if it's well managed, it'll be 90, 92%. And even then, there'll be years when it goes to 85. You know, there's there's things that have to be fixed and repaired, and two months can go by before it can be fixed, and it adds up these 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 breaks of having no tenant there. So don't ever look at a property and calculate your numbers based on 100% occupancy. And if you do, you're going to a very expensive seminar as well. <laughs> yeah. And people get excited when they see that. They say, oh, 100% occupancy. We're, okay, we say it's terrible. Yeah, it's we say that's perfect. terrible news. Right? Uh, but yeah. some people, well, most people that don't know, 
they get excited because yeah. it does look sexy. It does. It, it's 100% occupancy, no maintenance, which I wanted to go to the other trap, but the no maintenance. Yeah. Guys, we're humans. There's wear and tear on everything. Uh, uh, toilets, door handles, lights, everything. You're always going to have maintenance. And if you don't take care of those things, guess what? Even if it is 100% occupied today, you're not going to have that very long because what's going to happen, things are going to fall apart. And Marco's not going to want to stay there. Like, I can't even go to the door. The, the handle's uh, squeaking. The floors are cracking. And, you know, handles. there's no toilet seat. It's not flushing or whatever. You know, <laughs> you you squat. Yeah, so squat, the maintenance is, and even if there is maintenance, sometimes, again, the other trap is, oh, there's only a few thousand dollars in repairs. Mm, and when you go there, there's a blue tarp. Uh, <laughs> Or no tarp or no roof. No roof. Um, yeah, that's it's an open concept. It's a convertible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, missing toilets, just a flange uh, on the floor, so you can stand or squat, whatever, whatever makes you comfortable. But uh, that's a, another trap that people like. It, it's okay to trust, but you're gonna have to verify what they're what they're saying. We can have a whole podcast on trust but verify. Yeah. Yeah. So that again, it's I just wanted to go into the maintenance yeah. is another trap where no maintenance. You know, yeah, if it's in perfect condition, that doesn't exist. There's always going to be something that's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and now understand that uh, things cost different in, in, in differently in, in different areas. Um, if if I buy a, a, a shell of a property uh, here in uh, Florida uh, that's that's got uh, um, concrete block. I can, for around $30,000, I can completely rehab that thing into a, you know, into some, a house with a roof and kitchen and everything else for 30 grand. Try doing that in Canada. You can't. Uh, the mm -hmm. cost of labor here is a lot cheaper. Uh, materials cost more uh, in the south than labor does. But as you get further north, uh, the, opposite happens. Uh, the opposite starts to happen. So mm -hmm. every area has different cost of repairs and what things uh, do cost and don't cost. So... Uh, also, materials are different uh, in Florida. I have to have hurricane windows uh, in Florida where I don't necessarily have to have that somewhere else. So everything costs a little bit different. There are some nuances there, but always uh, expect to have some repair cost when you're when you're buying something. And I have very simple numbers, five, 10, and 25,000. If someone says it needs no repairs, I'll add five for carpet and paint. Uh, if they say it needs just a little bit, I'll just throw in 10. And if they say, yeah, it needs about $10,000, uh, $11,000 in repairs, I'm just going to put 25. I would rather have more repairs estimated into my calculation than not enough and then get to closing and then buy it and then realize that I don't have enough money to, mm -hmm. I'm going to be upside down if I do something with this property. And in some cases, the repair cost is going to cost more than the actual property. So it doesn't make sense at all. Let the numbers decide, which is the next trap, is have you seen the location? It's fabulous. This is great. Yeah. Now, again, there's two different kinds of businesses. You can be in the real estate business where you own real estate, um, where, you're, where it's an ego-driven, I want to buy this property, uh, and this is something that I want to show all my family, and this is the property, and it's a beautiful location, and this is it, and this Becomes is beautiful. Because the status. And, where, but it doesn't make any money. Right. Yeah. Or uh, like for in San Francisco, uh, you're not going to find a property that is, uh, you know, a 15% return uh, in an A area. It's just not going to happen. Or even in a B or C area. Or possibly D. Uh, a, by the way, means like uh, the best possible area. B is white collar. C is blue collar. And D is on the ghetto side. So uh, if you're buying A class property or really nice property, A, you're buying. buying a premium, you're paying a premium, and B, your rents are going to be high, but because you've paid such a premium, your returns are going to be very, very low. 
Um, so there's an there's an offset there. However, the, the the appreciation could be higher. Yes. So you you make it up in appreciation. Like in Toronto, uh, if I were to buy something in Toronto, let's say in downtown Toronto, um, I'm most likely paying three million dollars for a thousand square feet. Yeah, it's it's expensive. Well, for a bachelor right now, it's going for one point five for a bachelor. So right. We're talking one room with. So let's call it 1.5 million bucks. Um, for and if I rent that out, what am I going to rent that out for? A thousand dollars, two thousand dollars a month. Two thousand. They're going right? for 2,500. Okay, so that's. But my mortgage alone is going to be more. Than is that. going to be more than that. Then the taxes are going to be most likely close to that. And then the money and then insurance is a down and payment. Then, oh. Yeah, and you need twenty percent down, which is in itself going to be three hundred thousand dollars. So I'm there's there's zero chance I'm going to make any cash flow, but maybe if I hang on to it, I'll go from one point five and sell that sucker for one point seven. Uh, well, more in the last five years, it, it has been going up substantially. But you don't know when that bubble is going to burst. Like actually, in Toronto, at one point there was people buying properties like that, um, and not even putting tenants in there. Because they were generating double-digit returns by keeping it vacant. Because they were banking on the appreciation. But what happens with appreciation, as soon as the, the government changed the interest rate or whatever... Even things put laws against it. The, isn't there a tax for, like, if it's vacant, in, you're going to pay a tax? Vancouver, you pay more. That's yeah. the city. Yeah. The, city yeah. the, the city imposes taxes on vacant properties. Right. They, want some of that, uh, they want yeah. that inventory for, for, for people. But anyways, to, to go back to what you're saying, they're banking on one way to make money, and that's on appreciation. But what happens if it goes... <laughs> If it dips or if it goes stagnant for for years or whatever, you're not going to get your money out. It, it, it'll it'll take you maybe your kids' kids. Well, it's, it's gambling. It's, it it's basically gambling. gambling. It's like okay, I'm going to lose thirty thousand a year. Um, I, you know, I'm going to lose thirty, maybe thirty, forty thousand a year. Yeah. And I'm, I I might have an upside of you know three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand in five and, or ten years. But I think if you look at the the balance, you're not really making a whole lot. It's no. you might get your money back maybe. And you might make a few bucks, but why? I don't understand that. Plenty of people do no, it. I respect it if that's what your, your your game plan is. I just wouldn't do it myself because I want to buy a property, uh, have equity the day that I buy it, which means if I want to sell it, I can sell it and make money the day that I buy it. I want cash flow the day that I buy it. And I want the opportunity to raise rents and increase revenue so I can refinance it and pull out as much yeah. cash tax-free as possible. That depends what the investment objective of the individual is. Correct. Yeah. So my investment objective is cash, cash flow, yeah. cash now, and uh, an opportunity later. So I have I want multiple cash flows uh, on each property. I want to be paid multiple times, not just hope it goes up in value and lose money every month. And in those markets, another trap that, that a lot of people come across, and I've come across, is, is when the agent says, hey, we got a lot of offers on oh these properties. Yes. We got a lot of offers. <laughs> you got to make your offer now. Okay. Or do your due diligence even before you make an offer, which is crazy in itself. Right. But they say, when, when someone, they say, we got a lot of offers, you got to put your offer in. So they want you to get into a bidding war. And most times than not, they don't even have one offer. Right. They say that, so you believe in that, because people want what other people, uh, what they don't have, yeah, and they, they, they feel the sense of, of, of fear not, of missing out. Fear of missing out. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, "Oh my goodness, I got to get in this. I got to. It's, it's a hot property." And and that's a, a big trap that many fall in this big pit, this big hole. And that's how the agent gets their leads, and then they can pick and choose from their offers that they have. It's yeah, very common. And uh, the only way to get around that is uh, well, at least what. We do is just go through your offers, and if it doesn't sell, let me know. I never want to be the highest offer, and I will tell anyone that I do business with. I'm never the highest offer, but I'll be. It'll be cash, and it'll be quick. So if you want cash and quick, but not the highest, you let me know. 
That's the service that we provide. We're not retail buyers. We don't want to be retail buyers. There's plenty of people that will, are willing to pay retail. Let them buy it. Um, we're never married to a property. Uh, no, I don't care where it is. Uh, location, you know, they're saying location, location, location. Maybe in the real estate business, it is location, location, location. But I believe that we're more, at least I am, in the cash flow business more in the actual real estate business. I buy real estate, but I look at the cash flow. So I'm more in the cash flow business than I am in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. If the real estate, if the cash flow makes sense, I'll buy it. Uh, as long as I can buy it at a discount. Numbers don't work, we're not going to buy it. And that's another, I think, trap is getting emotional on the property. They're, they're falling in love. They're yeah. excited about, um, you know, owning this piece of property. It's, well, that's, emotion, it's an emotional purchase versus a numbers-driven decision. I mean, that, which is why we tell you when you're looking for properties, don't necessarily look at the ads, the pictures, and all that. Just make it about the numbers because numbers are unemotional. It's, mm. it, it tells you the story. Numbers don't lie. That's right. Yeah. The real numbers don't lie. The real numbers don't lie because they can be manipulated and this is where the traps come in and, you know, pro forma, again, makes me cringe, but... It is what it is. 100% uh, occupancy, uh, not factoring in vacancy into your... Right. Uh, that's another trap is uh, you're not factoring vacancy into your calculation. Uh, you're you're looking at a much higher um, occupancy, occupancy than, than what's actually possible. That's a big trap. Um... And everything doing the DD, like people are selling properties as is, which is fine. We buy property as is, but you want to know what the as is is. And and I don't like when agents, it, it's like something they're pressuring you. It's like when agent says, when you put an offer, Marco, uh, you, you already have to do your due diligence. So you got to come on and see the property beforehand. So what happens if you if you cast your net that we discussed in a different episode to, to get to get these leads, and you got thirty of them? Are you going to go to 30 places yeah. to go check it up? 20 different states. That's ridiculous <laughs> and it's not even sustainable. And if you're if you're married, forget about it. You're going to be divorced. But yeah. uh, you, you can't do that. You'll be spending more money than, than you're going to be making uh, to do that. So that's that's another trap. Is like, no, you know what? You got to come and see the property and do the diligence before it's as is. You're okay with as is, but you want to know what that as is is. You want to know what the as is is? What the as is is? I want to know what the as is What's is. What's the as is is? What's the as is is? What language is that in? As is is. As is is. Another thing we don't do, just to get back to, to, to what you were saying, is that we don't get into bidding wars. That's like the biggest mistake you can do is trying to get into a bidding war. You're always going to pay more. Well, it's going back to have we have other offers or we have already on the contract, which could be bullshit. Ooh, yeah. that's, we have it on the contract. We have it on the contract. That's you the can get a backup. Back, you want to put a backup. Put a backup, backup offer. Oh, sloppy that's seconds. another trap. Another oh. huge trap. Yeah. Now, what's the problem with making a backup offer? Is A, we're sloppy seconds, yeah. right? Which we're not going to do. And it ruins our negotiation position for the future. Do I really want to put a backup offer and pay higher or, you know, or the same as the last guy that's probably not going to buy it? No. I want them to basically fail right? Not close and then come back to me on their hands and knees and say, will you please buy this? Yeah. Now I have a much stronger negotiation position than putting in a backup offer. Yeah. No thanks. I'm not, never going to make a backup offer. That's literally like saying, will you go out with me to a girl? And she says, uh, well, maybe I'm going on a date right now. You stay right there. <laughs> and if that doesn't work out, I'll come back and pick you up. And you're like, okay, I'll be right oh, here waiting. Oh, that's, that's a terrible, terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I'll wait here. I'll wait right here while you <laughs> go on the other date. And then I'll just have be fun. right here patiently. Have fun. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll be right here just waiting for you. Yeah. It, it, that's exactly what that is. It is. It's like never going to happen. No. You know, if, if you don't have it not work out and then you come back on your hands and knees and then we'll have a conversation. Uh, that's that's really the way that we, we want to make that happen. Um, one more other, another trap is uh, using an agent's contract. That's, uh, I think that's... We've mentioned this a few times. We have, it's, but yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a trap. It it's it's uh, probably one of the biggest. And if but you, it's not an intentional trap. That's not something that they set. That's just what they're used to. And right? again, we're not, we're not knocking agents. I love agents. Mm -hmm. uh, they're an integral, integral part of our business. Yeah. Uh, we, we get off-market deals from agents constantly. We love them to pieces. Uh, as we've discussed in the past, there's a time and a place to use agents. Uh, we never use them to buy retail. The only time we'll, we'll use them in most cases is to find properties that are off market so they can make this great commission. Or if it is on market, they've helped us negotiate considerably at the best possible price. And they've earned their commission because they've worked hard to help us get there. So please understand that we're not knocking agents in any way, shape or form at all. They have a very important purpose and uh, I think it's important. However, um, agents contracts and state state forms are designed to protect the seller, the agent and the broker. They're not designed to protect you as the buyer. Um, you can get sued uh, personally. You can get personally sued. You can lose money. Um, they, they, you have to do things their way. Uh, due diligence starts the second that you sign the agreement, which is none of those things happen with our agreement at all. There are so many clauses that protect us from due diligence uh, starting on our terms. What due diligence items have to be included? Um, um, closing costs, how they're you know taken care of. Uh, There's consequences also for the seller not. There you are know, performing. performing. There are consequences for us not performing. Yes. You know, so it's it's more as you said earlier. It's yeah. leveling the playing field. So it's not just. Us that uh, takes if, all the risk. that takes the risk mm -hmm. is if the seller doesn't do what they're supposed to do, they are also going to take the or risk. Or if they lie to us before the contract was signed. So if they said, "Well, this thing makes you know two million dollars in income, and so you're making your offer and getting it under contract on that basis," and then you realize it's only a million dollars, and you want to get out of the contract, but now you're losing money for getting out of the contract. Are you being sued for not closing on the property? That's that's not fair. Yeah, so there, it really levels the playing field to uh, where we have more control. Yes, much more control. Yeah. And even on that note, with uh, with with escrow, like your deposit, mm. um, uh, a lot of agents Another or a lot of sellers want you to put your deposit with their lawyer, uh, which is a big no-no because what happens if if they did lie or they don't give you the documents you need for your due diligence, or if it's not making that hundred thousand dollars a year and it's only making fifty or it's a piece of shit and needs more repairs, to get that money back from the seller's lawyer is like pulling teeth. Yeah. So you want to use, uh, we usually prefer an Alta member uh, title company, which they, they oblige by certain- If possible. If possible. possible. Some like some states, states, some states are lawyer states. Uh, or states, states. Yes. Yeah, so so you, you want to use a third party in general, period. A third party, not if possible. arms like, yes, if, if possible. possible. If possible. Um, I'm just saying that that potentially could be an issue. The real issue is that the seller has to actually agree with you and sign off to it. In most part, that's how the actual agreements are written. And essentially, if the seller could hold your, even if your, 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 your deposit is refundable at that point, he, they can hold it hostage for a long time yes. just yeah. because they don't sign off to it. And there's nothing really you can do about it 
other than get into litigation. Which costs more than the deposit Exactly. Itself. So that's, so this is what, you know, again, our agreements are designed to make sure this doesn't happen so that you don't spend time and money trying to recuperate something that, you know, that's rightfully yours. Yeah. And our agreements actually have a sign-off clause that, you know, we, it, it, there's a mutual release. If yeah. it doesn't work, where our money is automatically returned to us. So it's, um, it allows, again, uh, us to be protected. Uh, during that transaction. And this comes from all these mistakes we've made in the past where For we've been burned. A over very over long over. time, yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot more traps, period. And for us to go through all of them, uh, I think would take nine years. Um, because if, from the due diligence process, to looking at the books, to looking at condition, to uh, you know seeing someone might have renovated the property, but uh, th there's no electrical within the walls. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen where it looks beautiful, but n nothing works. Uh, so. There are a lot of things that can go wrong, and the purpose of this is not to scare you out of the business because shit's going to happen and we deal with it as it happens. And it's kind of fun, actually, to deal with some of these issues as they come along, but we want to avoid as many of those things as possible. Um, and you can protect yourself uh, in many ways. So, um, you know, But you don't know what you don't know, and that's why we're here. That's, that's why and and those are the, I think we covered the common traps. Yeah. Obviously, yes. there's a lot more more intricate ones, whatever, when you go and you do diligence, whatever. But these are the common ones that, you know, start off. And you know what? Maybe as an exercise, just to leave off on this, but maybe, you know, go go on whatever your, is it the MLS or the LoopNet or whatever. Or Craigslist. Craigslist. Yeah. But, and just start looking at ads and read and see if you find things like pro forma or you know, potential income. And and you'll notice that a lot of these traps that we're talking about no are there. No maintenance. No, no management. Yeah. Uh, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll notice that it's it's a pattern. Gross is 100, but net is 92. Yeah, it so, happens all the time. So just, yeah, you know, for the fun of it, you'll see. And there's more of these traps, but, uh, I mean, they're all over the place. And when you when you start recognize them, recognizing them it's uh, and you call them out, and do it the right way, you actually start looking like the expert and they take you a lot more seriously. Well, you build is, credibility. Yeah, right? by, by knowing what, what you're doing. doing. Yeah, exactly. You, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So look out for the traps. And, uh, but again, the traps are the traps. They're there on purpose to uh, dissuade the uh, those that don't know what they're doing uh, to be taken advantage of. But now that you know about these traps, you can be more aware of them, you can mm -hmm. avoid them, and you don't have to step on those landmines and get hurt you can go around them and look like the expert that you are going to be once you start doing this business. So I'm proud of you for listening. Hopefully this was phenomenal and I look forward to talking to you on the next episode. All right. Toodaloo. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to GetDealsByTuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.